Hello and welcome back to the RevOps show. Is it the end of the year yet? We're all starting to feel that a break is much needed and it's only the middle of March. I can only hope that you're taking a much needed break as you listen to this episode. Anyways, getting into the overview of today's episode, Doug and Jess are talking about, drum roll please, baseball. Again, just kidding. Only slightly though. They do talk about it, but the main, main focus for today is on ideal client profiles, why you need them, what they are, where you should start, and so much more. Doug has a hot take on the topic that you aren't going to want to miss, so be on the lookout for it and let's get into it. Jess. Doug. Is it 2023 yet? Feels like it. Oh my God. Man, we gotta be coming up. Feel- we gotta be coming up on the end of the year. I mean, <laughs> it's it's gotta be around the corner. Not quite. Not quite. You, you know how um you know how I guess we can call it, I guess it's officially now called the week of rest. That's what companies that are doing this now you know we've had we've had the week of rest before the week of rest was cool by the way mm-hmm, you know how we we, we have that at the end of the year every year and you know how i i say you know in a fast growth company a day's a week a week's a month a month's a quarter and a quarter's a year maybe we need to move to a week of rest every quarter i i am i am down for that let's do it let's do know. it i don't know if our clients would necessarily be i don't i don't think it would be you i don't imagine? think it would work for client retention at all now could you imagine if we were in a week of rest right now (laughs) no one knows what's going on right now but i know oh i'm taking a week of rest next week this is this is my heads up to you (laughs) okay so we are in december this is the this is the second last week of december is that it is we're there already it is we are we are in my mind it feels like it but you know, Jess, I do have good news for you today. What's the good news? Baseball is back, baby. I was worried about you. I was worried about you with no baseball. I was very concerned. Yeah, my, I my was quotient probably would have gone up in internal meetings had there not been baseball, because now I can get that out watching games. <laughs> this is true. This is true. You're wearing your Reds hat today. I am. I am. It's a nice hat. Don't you think? I've always liked the Reds logo. But uh, I've same, but I'm biased because I'm a Reds fan. I know. So well, you know, I was before the before the expos I rooted for the Reds. I was, you know, big red machine. And you know, it's probably because I mean, A, you know, you know, that whole lineup was just uh, amazing. But oh, yeah. also, if you remember, those were the World Series they were against the Yankees, and I hated the Yankees. <laughs> I think that's why everybody loved him because everybody hates the Yankees. So if you're right. if you're not a Yankees fan, who do you root right. for? So, but I, I I I can still get most of that lineup. It, Johnny Bench catching, Tony Perez at first, Joe Morgan at shortstop, um, Dave Concepcion at short. It was pre Ray Knight. I know who the third baseman was, but I can't think of him. It was Cesar Geronimo in center field, George Foster in right field. So apparently the left side is where I'm weak. I can't remember who the left fielder was. I actually think it was a platoon. And I should know this because my dad has all of the – he's got a baseball signed by each member of the Big Red Machine. Gosh, who was the third baseman in 77 for the Red? Somebody, whoever's listening to this podcast, mom, look at – actually, my mom can't look up on Google anymore. <laughs> Somebody, um, look it up and tell me who played third base and left field for the uh, 1977 Cincinnati Reds. Anyways, isn't that amazing? I'm not a Red fan, and I can tell you they're – that is pretty incredible. When when I was when I was a kid, elementary into junior high school, I don't know if it stayed through high school. I could tell you the starting lineup for every team in Major League Baseball. That's impressive. Every team. <laughs> I wonder, like that's a lot of headspace that that's uh, that, taken off. Is that why my <laughs> grades weren't very good? Probably. Probably. You know, you know funny story. You know, my mom would take me to Orioles games. My mom and dad would take me. You know, we'd go to Orioles games. Um, and, you know, they, they still do today. But this is the old, old scoreboards that barely could show anything. But they'd have, um, they'd, they'd have, uh, you know, what, what, what their batting average was, at-bats, hits, you know, et cetera. Um, and because I was struggling in school, 
I, I have very, I mean, I'm SLRD, I'm other things, dyslexic, et cetera. But so it's like, I really struggled in math. And, and to this day, I still can't show my work in math, but I'm obviously really good with numbers. And so, you know, some, someone would get a hit in their first at bat, they'd come up for their second at bat. And I would just say something like, oh, well, their batting average is, you know, whatever now. Um, or, you know, and I, and I would say what the batting average was. And my mom would be like, what? Well, how do you know that? I'm like, well, you know, he was this for this before and he just got a hit. So he's now that for that. And then he, and my mom would go, but I thought you were bad at math. If they could only translate all math to baseball. Well, you would have again, I could do it in my head. I, but I'd say, but I, I'd say, you know, my mom would say, but I thought you were bad at math. And I'm like, well, well I am bad at math. And she goes, well, well, we, what you just did was math. And I said, no, it was, no, that's batting averages. <laughs> So the topic for today is not baseball, shockingly. Wait, <laughs> I've, I've been misinformed. Okay, what's the topic today, Jess? Dan, I guess you're done Dan talking Brisson paid, played third, by the way. I texted my dad. And Oops. Geronimo, uh, Dan Driz, Driz, Drizzen played third. Okay, yeah, I wouldn't Geronimo agree. played right. Oh, Geronimo played right? And and I'm sorry, my dad is probably the authority on it was this. was don't let me text him. Stay tuned, everybody, for who the center fielder was. Geronimo didn't play center at all? I don't know. I believe your dad. I believe it. <laughs> He'll probably respond in a minute. I just asked is him. Is that impressed that I'm asking you about Cincinnati 1977? Yeah, he, he asked how this originated. I did tell him I was on a podcast, so he, he'll, he'll, be, he'll, he'll be very pleased that, that we're talking about this. All right. And finally, I understand what you do. <laughs> Exactly. Exactly. All right. So what I want to talk about today is ideal client profile. This has come up in a few, in a few places on the podcast and, and, and you like to talk about the fact that comes people think it comes, it does, it does. And, and you like to reference the fact that, that people think they have ideal client profiles and it's not in fact an ideal client profile. Um, for, for the record, I say many people think they have an ideal client profile. Many realize that they don't, or many don't have anything approaching an ideal client profile, but oftentimes what people call an ideal client profile is not really an ideal client profile. Okay. So what is an ideal client profile? Well, I think if I may hijack the show. For, um, why not? <laughs> before we can talk about what is an ideal client profile i think we have to talk about why why why, why an ideal client profile why an ideal client profile okay why an ideal client profile so i believe firmly and actually on one of the other podcasts i i mentioned this and i and i it got misinterpreted by somebody who was really who, who i have a lot of respect for so i'm going to give a little bit of a further explanation i believe firmly that the most important question that a company or an organization can ask itself and answer on a daily basis is who do we want to be a hero to? Or in the words of Dr. Seuss, who's your who? <laughs> um, I don't know if Dr. Seuss ever said that, but I think that would be something that if he heard, he would say, yeah, very, I would say that. Very Seussian. Very um, Seussian. Who's your who? You know, Simon Sinek has his golden circle and he says, start with why. Why, how, what? I say Simon Sinek is wrong. Start with who? And, and by the way, I don't think you can really have a why without a who. Now, you can have your own internal why. Why, why do you rally? Why do you bring, you know, but, but for it to really mean something in the market, you know, and, and, and the, the two most common, if not the most often and most popular, or if not the most often cited, and I don't know that I don't know if Simon says these are his central examples or if they're just the most popular, but he talks about Apple and he talks about Southwest mm -hmm. and how their why is what is what drove them. But both of them had very clear, very, very clear who they were built for, who they were building for that that, that made the why relevant, right? Yep. Southwest started by defining their customer as the traveling salesperson in Texas who Shut can't up. be home at night 
to have dinner with their kids. Right. And so when people used to insult Southwest by calling them, oh, Southwest, that's the Greyhound of the skies. Herb, Herb Keller said, yeah, I know. Isn't it great? Yep. Right. Um, so you, I don't think that you can have strategy without who. And, and again, ideal client profile is the peak who. Who do you want to be a hero to? Now realize you are not the hero. Your customer is the hero. I'm not saying once you get going, you know, and as you know, Jess, I'm, I'm a big fan of the idea. Luke Skywalker is the hero. You are not Luke Skywalker. You are Yoda. Whoever the business, the provider is, you're Yoda. Yeah. Skywalker is the hero. But I would make the argument confidently that to Luke Skywalker, Yoda was Luke Skywalker's hero. Right. Right. So that's what I'm talking about. Again, you're going to, and, and by the way, this gets to enabling. So strategy is making decisions, a guiding policy to address a diagnosis to achieve an objective and decisions are all about trade-offs. And so I, I believe that from a marketing and messaging standpoint, unequivocally, factually, from a marketing and messaging standpoint, you can't market or message without a clear ideal client profile. I got asked a question a couple of weeks ago, well, what do you think our, our website should say? And I said, well, you know, describe your ideal client profile. And they said, well, we don't really have one yet. We're working on it. I said, okay, well, as soon as you're done with that, then we can begin to talk about what your website should say. Yeah. Because if you don't have that, right, then the only thing you can define yourself by is yourself, right? You can't define yourself by your why. You can't even really define yourself a whole lot by your how. You can only define yourself by your what. And you can only distinguish and differentiate or whatever by, by your what. And, you know, you're, you're going to be commoditized. I, I don't, I don't like, you can't have good strategy without empathy. Empathy is, you know, un, un, understanding, you know, what is different here. Yeah. Um, you know, and, and if you think about it from a revenue operations perspective, revenue operations goes wrong when we're optimizing for how we sell. We have to optimize for how people buy. Now that doesn't mean that we have to like follow the path that, that they naturally follow. Right. But we've got to enable to, and actually, you know what? We've got to enable to how people decide. Yep. Which, which, which involves how we provide. So it's decide and provide. I'm, I'm going to try to rhyme today. <laughs> and, and, and the point here is that like, I can't only optimize for you because I'm optimized only, only for you. Then I'm, I've, I've got a job to do. You know, it's got to be a win for me too. Right. So, so your ideal client profile is in so many different ways, the center point of, you know, who are we solving for? You know, revenue operations is to solve for revenue optimization, revenue acceleration and customer, you know, it's all for the customer. Well, if you don't know who your customer is, you can't solve for them yep. and you can't solve for every customer, right? Solve for the customer doesn't mean the customer gets whatever they want. It doesn't mean the customer is always right. It, it's it's far more meta than that, but you can't you can't determine what is the optimal process. You can't figure out what is the trade off if you don't have a real clear full understanding to who your ideal client profile is. And and I see people all the time that, that the difficulty is. And by the way, if you don't have it clear, it's you don't have empathy, which means what you design for is yourself. Yeah. Or a great line, Marcus Andrews. Got to give him credit. He he um I think it was on LinkedIn. He's more a LinkedIn guy. Actually, a valuable thing on LinkedIn. Who would have thought? Um, he, he wrote, pineapple is my favorite food. But when I go fishing, I use worms. A lot of marketers miss that concept. Oh, yeah. What a great way to frame it, right? I, I don't care what works for you. Now, I'm not saying it has to work for them and not for you. It, you know, it has to be. So by the way, so if you don't like putting worms on on hooks, then I would say you should probably not go into that line of business. Right. 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 Um, or, you know, hire somebody to manage the worms for you. One of the two. <laughs> um, but, but so, so the why of the ideal client profile is that everything, everything, everything operationally, innovation, um, messaging, sales, everything should originate from, should come from that ideal client profile. That is what it means. Like, who is out there saying we're not customer centric? 
No one. <laughs> right? Not, not no one that I can think of. Right? Yeah. I mean, may, maybe the electric company is still, but I mean, <laughs> Comcast probably still is. But yeah. Um, but everyone says, "Oh, you know, we're customer centric." Well, you right. can't be customer centric if the ideal client profile isn't clear. Because if the ideal client profile isn't clear, you can't center around it. Right. And and so why ideal client profile is because everything comes from that because because you're solving for them and you're solving for revenue acquisition revenue management with them and so if i don't know who like if 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 i'm working with a governmental entity versus you know an entrepreneurial startup delight is two completely different things the way i'm going to monetize is you know completely different etc so that 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 is why ideal client profile Makes sense. Makes sense. Um, so, so what is an idea? Not who the center fielder was yet. He hasn't responded yet. Okay. All right. Everybody's waited, waiting with bated breath. Um, so, so what is an ideal client profile? It, it's a detailed description of that, that, that addresses that outlines the demographics, psychographics, um, trends, profiles. I mean, it's it's an empathetic abstract of who you want to be hero to now i'm we're, we're going to be talking about this from a b2b context where that ideal client profile is an organization um if we're if we're talking about b2c your ideal client profile and your personas are are very 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 similar if not the same thing um i know we're going to get into that difference later um but it you know it's it's a detailed profile of, of that ideal client profile that, that highlights and creates distinctions between ideal, ideal, you know, one degree out, two degree out. And what I would also say that an ideal client profile, and I, and I, in many ways, I think the most important part of a strong ideal client profile is not only does it create a clear articulation, I don't think what I'm about to say, I'm not saying you have to document this next thing, but in your, definition of the ideal client profile, it should be very clear who is not your ideal client. And, and, and in there you have ideal clients and, and, and I'll get to this. You, you can have some segments or even tiering of ideal clients um, of an ideal client profile. So you have your ideal client profile, you have not ideal client profile and you have not, you know, you know, outside of, right. Yep. And, 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 and so one of the things that happens with your ideal client profile, and I, this, a lot of people struggle with this concept. I, I look at the world from a, from a go-to-market standpoint and from a sales and marketing standpoint through, through two groups, right? There's a group that I'm, that I sell to. There's a group that I'm happy to let buy, right? The ideal client profile is who I sell to, right? That's the group that they don't know it yet, but they need to be working with us, right? Yeah. They're the ones who I build for. They're the ones who we design for. They're the ones, you know, we, we disproportionately allocate resources, attention, et cetera, to that ideal client profile. I mean, to, to, you know, to, to that core, that's who I'm selling to. Now, as people move outside of that ideal client profile and, and, and look, there's not, there's no 100%. We may get into this. I'm a big fan of creating an ideal client profile rubric that, hey, they, they meet, you know, they're, they're great matches on this, on these elements. They're a little bit off here. You know, we, we, everybody is different. Every organization is different. You need to account for that. By the way, that's another mistake that gets made. We treat, we treat it as, you know, binary, you are, or you're not, it really is a degree of. Yep. Um, but then, you know, my messaging, my messaging is designed to appeal to that group. And in many ways, like I want to appeal to that group and that group alone. And you know, it's scary because I used to, by the way, we used to say our ideal client profile, one, one key element of our ideal client profile was organizations that were hiring parents or rehiring their first salesperson. And, and, and we used to have like this really cool specialization. And it's actually really cool when, it, when, um, when we were focused there, which was that entrepreneurial organization where the entrepreneur had been selling everything and now they needed to actually hire a salesperson. So many mistakes get made. It's so yeah. difficult. It's so right. And and so we understood that. And that's what we messaged to. And you know what? It it cost us appeal to somebody that had 15, 20 salespeople. 
Yeah. Let alone, right? Now we've, you know, we've moved and, and, and today, and I'm going to tell you right now, like I'm, so I'm going to say this publicly on the podcast and I'm not going to lie. I'm swallowing a little bit because we work with companies that have five salespeople. We do great work. Heck, we work with some companies that have one or two. Yeah. But we work with companies that, you know, they have five salespeople, they're profitable, they're good to work with, et cetera. But, but today our ideal client, you have 25 to 50 salespeople. You know, I'm going to say your our, our, our ideal client profile is 50 to 150 salespeople. Yeah. Right now, I, that I want you to know, saying that out loud, it scares me. It's 50 to 150. You hear me wanting to say 25. Yeah. Right? Because I'm a little bit worried that that if I say 50, then the people with 15 or 20 are going to be, and and the people with 15 or 20. By the way, what I find is once you get above about 10, that's where the complexity really, yep, you know, jumps. There, there so there's not like we still have those. You know, we can still solve those core elements. The economics still work, et cetera. But, right. but the reality is if you're 50, you're in a different place. You've got, you know, at, at 50, you not only have sales leadership, you have I mean, true sales leadership. Like if you have seven salespeople, you don't have true sales leadership. Your, your VP of sales is selling. Now, yep. some people that have 50 have a VP of sales that's selling. And one thing that I would tell them is, yeah, that's probably a mistake. Um, but you have multiple managers at 50. Yeah. Right? N- not one or two, multiple, right? And, yeah. and so that becomes an element. And, and, and so all those things begin to morph. And, you know, we have, you know, our profile is a whole lot more than that. But, but like, that's the scary part. So we start saying, hey, you know what? To, to message to 50, to design to 50, to build to 50, well, well, that means we're not building for for five. I actually had a conversation with somebody who was really interested. They referred to us. They were really interested. They they had one or two kind of sort of pseudo salespeople, but it was really very much of that. You know, the, you know, the entrepreneur was still responsible for 80, 90% yeah. of sales. Um, and I, and what I said to him was, I said, you know what? I I just can't I can't help you today. And and the reason is. You know, seven or eight years ago, I lived in the problem that you had. I I was totally immersed in it. I under, you know, I said, the problem is today, I still know a lot about it. Right. I, I we, as a result of that, we probably still know more than just about anybody, but I'm not paying attention to the nuances and, and, and how is digital really changing this element and what's here and what's there. Right. And then what's more is the team that we're hiring and what we're teaching them and the systems that we have in place and all those things, those are out of alignment for what that need is. Yep. And, and so it's like, you know, and I, and I mean, it was like, you know, kindred spirit would have been really fun to work with, you know, all those things were in place, but that, you know, that that's where you get, you know, so, so when you think about what is the ideal client profile, Jess, have you ever gone bowling? I have. So when you're at the top of the lane mm-hmm. and you have that ball in your hand, mm-hmm. what is your goal? What is your objective? To hit the, to hit the front pin. Well, you want to no, know that's actually not your objective. I think your objective is you want to knock over all 10 pins. I want to knock over all 10. Right. Pins. Isn't that whatever, right. I yes. want to strike. Yes. To bowl a strike. You got 10 pins. Do you aim at all 10 pins? No. <laughs> How many pins do you aim at? One. And I used to say one, and then I was doing that at a seminar, um, a workshop, and someone who was actually, they weren't actually a semi-pro bowler, but they were kind of like that, like, you know, year-round bowling leagues, et cetera. He, he explained to me, it's actually one and a half. <laughs> yeah. Um, what, what you want to do is you want to hit that pocket between the head pin and the two or the three pin, right? Yeah. And, and by hitting that pocket w- clearly, distinctly with momentum that generates the momentum. And that's how you expand. By the way, this is a Jeffrey Moore concept. If anybody's followed Jeffrey Moore's stuff, he calls it the bowling alley. I'm all in with the bowling alley. The ideal client profile is defining your head pin. What is that head pin segment? Right? How clearly do you find that head pin? Um, How do you know when your ideal client profile is done? Well, if you ever think it's done, you're in trouble because it's never done. Right. It's all, and a, it's always tweaking. It shouldn't be changing dramatically. You can't run a business if it's training, tra- changing dramatically. Your, your ideal client profile is 
a major element. I would say your ideal client profile, your economic model, um, and your capital and your capital structure. Those are the three things that come to mind. That is the core of what you, the context to manage the trade-off decisions that you make. And so, maybe, maybe capital structure is part of economic model. Depends how you think about that. So why do you say that a lot of people think think they have an ideal client profile and then realize they don't? Like, what it, what are some of the misconceptions about ideal client profile? I mean, th this is where ideal client profiles have have a similarity, and and I, I will sometimes say an ideal client profile is your company persona. Mm -hmm. Um, I worry about that because it it doesn't like if you follow that you'll 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 go off track. But your ideal client profile. It's not a sales aid. It's not a marketing aid. It remember, it's up there at your economic model and your capital structure. It it it's about everything. Yeah. Um, so so the depth of it, the detail of it, the you know, we sell to doctors' offices that have two to ten physicians. Okay, awesome. That's a really good first bullet of your ideal client profile. But it's not an ideal client profile. Right. It, a there, that's only demographic. There's, there's mm -hmm. no psychographics. There's okay, no so context. Yeah. There's no, I was going to ask what it was missing. So psychographic, you know, here, here's the question. I mean, I, I, I say this on personas. Mm -hmm. um, if, if you read a persona and you don't get a picture of the person, like you're now having a conversation, like, can you have a real life make-believe conversation with your persona? Right. You know, their idiosyncrasies. Yeah. Right. You know, mo mo most personas don't go deeply enough. It, you know, it's, you know, so, so a segment is not an ideal client profile, right? A segment is a step to an ideal client profile, but your ideal client profile is, is a, um, you know, it, it, it is a, it, it is a them centered description of, so like I'll ask people describe, you know, who, what, what makes the best customer? They pay their bills on time. Okay, great. Yeah. But that's about you. Right. So, so when you have that, what you have to do is you have to say, what's the indicator? What about them would indicate that they would be more likely to pay their bills on time? They're, they're in a financially strong position. They, they have high, strong cash flow, right? Um, they're, they're premium. They're, they're, they're a premium provider. We had, we had one company that, that totally freaked out about this. Uh, that, you know, they described, you know, you can't just be run of the mill. You have to value your people. You have to see a difference in, because they provided training. And so, okay, so it was, you can't, you know, you're, you're, you, the ideal client profile indicated that you're looking at premium non-commodity providers. Well, the largest company in the space is an absolute, mill right it's and, and they were like oh my god we can't say that and, and by the way they, they were a customer yeah right oh no we can't say that, that that they're the largest revenue opportunity out there well, well hold on a second right you can't be premium we believe you know people are not replaceable to mm -hmm. right you, you, which one so so they're happy yeah. so there's lots of physicians offices with two to ten doctors okay great what what begins to say physicians with two to ten doctors don't fit that profile? Right. Right. Um, you know, so 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 that's probably the biggest. You you don't go deeply enough to to connect the dots to you. So so I say it's customer centered, but it has to connect to your key elements. So so for example, how much money do they spend? Right. So one of the qu common questions I'll ask is what does a good customer spend with you a year? Yeah. Well, it depends. Right. I know it depends, but what does a good customer? And, and, and by the way, you know, your ideal client profile is your core. It's not your outliers. Well, some people spend as much as a hundred million dollars with us. Okay. What percentage of companies spend a hundred million dollars with you? Um, 0.25%. Okay, great. That's not ideal client profile. We can weave them out. They're an outlier. So, we come up with that number. Now, hopefully someone's listening to this and saying, but Doug, that's about you. It's not about them. So then here's what I ask. So let's say a good customer spends, they spend a, they spend a half million dollars, half a million dollars a year with us. 
Mm -hmm. By the way, you notice I said a half million dollars a year. Well, that says they have a repeat purchase pack. Yeah. Right. Might be. Well, they spend a half a million dollars with us every five years or every, again, it could be, or they spend a half million dollars with us and we may never see them again. Yep. You know, in all this world of recurring revenue, people sometimes forget there are a lot of companies that make a lot of money that sell stuff and people may or may not buy from them ever again. Um, but so they spend a half million dollars a year with us. Okay, great. What, what about a company puts them in the position where they would be spending a half million dollars on this, right? So it might be how many people? So you're selling SaaS software that's seat-based and it's X dollars per. And so to get a half million dollars, you have to have this many people in this role. You have to have a certain amount of revenue. You know, while we worked with a, a company in, in the marketing space, we, we asked that question. One of the things we pointed out to them was what they thought their ideal, you know, their, what their best segment was, was way too small. They were basically looking for, you know, they, they wanted to get contracts for what would be the typical marketing spend, not the fraction of the marketing spend that they were responsible for. So you got to, so you're reverse engineering back and forth to mm -hmm. connect the dots and say, what's the match between this situation and us? Um, what's their situation like? What, what's wrong with their status quo, right? If you don't have an ideal client profile, if you're not describing the problem, right? You, I don't think you can differentiate yourself today on your solutions. I think solutions are just too commodified. They're too close. There's too much good enough. Yeah. I think where you can differentiate yourself, where you can draw a distinction is what's the problem that you're solving, right? So, you know, we, you know, physician groups with two to 10 that, that are growing to 50 to a hundred over the next three years that have, you know, poor information and insight on recruiting and this or that, or like, again, I, I, I don't know why I start off with the doctor analogy to go to if I couldn't <laughs> fill in everything, but you know, again, you're, you're, you're really getting that whole, you know, that, that whole viewpoint. And again, this is why it's never done. You're always, you know, you're always learning another piece about it, drawing a distinction, you're changing, they're changing. So, you know, it is something that has to really be kept you know, fully and firmly up to date. Yeah, I was going to say that evolution piece you had on early on where you talked about the, the the ideal client profile for us that is that is no longer because we've evolved as a company. So I think that's a good that's a good point. And so I'm going to give a hot take. Okay. Oh boy. Um, it's not going to be a hot take for you because you've heard oh. it like a hundred times. Okay. So, and again, I'm really talking about B2B, but it, this will apply to B2C. Um, the single thing I hate the most about sales, about, about the way sales is taught, is we teach this idea of qualification, um, which outside of the fact kind of creates a transactional relationship to begin with. I'm going to qualify you. Screw you. Um, it's also bullshit. Why is it bullshit? Because qualification is not a judgment. It's a statement of fact. If you fit the profile, you're qualified. If you don't fit the profile, you're not qualified. Yeah. So this is why I'm a big fan of count scoring rubrics, right? Ideal client profile score, that, which is not lead scoring. Um, <laughs> the, you know, there are attributes and phases. And if you, and if you hit a score, you're qualified. If you don't hit a score, you're not qualified. Yeah. If you, if you fit this profile and you're working with our number one competitor and, and you are a fan of the number one competitor, as a matter of fact, you're so much of a fan of the number one competitor. You're on the hero image of their website. Fan. And they have zero interest in working with you. And you're looking at them and saying, they're never going to work with us. They're not disqualified. Why are they not disqualified? Because they're qualified. They meet the criteria of a company that, that should and could be working with you. Now, they're not a prospect, right? But you fit or you don't fit. Like, yeah, this whole thing comes, salesperson, well, they're disqualified. Why are they disqualified? They don't want to talk to us. Oh, yeah. <laughs> okay. Well, now... By the way, I'm not saying that's necessarily sales' job to get. I think more than anybody else, that's that's marketing's job. Yeah. Right. Marketing is okay. Well, you know, I think people forget that the reason we have sales and marketing is because people were doing things different than what we wanted them to do, and so we had to influence the course and speed they were on. So when a sales 
you know, sales rep comes in and say, yeah, I talked to him. They really don't have any interest. I go, great. Yeah, exactly. That, you know, that's why you're here. Yeah. <laughs> you know, if, if they were ready to buy, I, I, I wouldn't need a sales team. I, I probably wouldn't even need a marketing team. I would just need, I would need an awareness team. Yeah. And, and, and so that, you know, that ideal client profile tells you now, here's the thing I want to know when this company that fits our ideal client profile and they have no interest in us, I always go, okay, what are we getting wrong or what are they getting wrong? Right. There's tremendous opportunity for learning this there. Yeah. Right. And, and, and so th this is what connects the dots whenever we're doing sourcing, whenever we're doing scoring. So one reason why I hate lead scoring is you're scoring the lead. So tell me more about that. Well, the only thing you should score is the account. And this is the fundamental problem of where inbound, of the origination of inbound. Um, and, and by the way, it took a long time for me to realize that I just thought people didn't talk about it. I always just assumed it was there. Again, I right. came from the sales side. But ideal client profile had no space in inbound. It was not, it was all persona. Right. So, so we sell to the, you know, we're a website development company. We sell, we, we, you know, we develop websites for construction companies that do general contracting, subcontracting, blah, 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 blah. Right. right. Whatever else you want to do on your profile. Right. So we're looking for the, you know, and, and we're talking about, you know, multi-disciplined, multi-state, et cetera. We sell to the chief market, you know, like our primary persona is chief marketing officer. What inbound said was persona was chief marketing officer. So we scored on your title, chief marketing officer. Yeah. We scored on, on activity. What did you download? We scored on these things. And so you're the chief marketing officer. And by the way, one, I remember going to, um, I remember one of my first inbounds, Mark Robert's great presentation. He said the difference between outbound sales and inbound sales and why out, you know, outbound starts off and, and they find people who fit, but they have no idea if they have pain. Yeah. Right. So we have people who fit, but we don't know if they want your service. Yeah. What inbound does is it finds people who fit, right? We find the pain, right? And, it, and, then, and then you figure out the fit. Yeah. Right? Well, so I'm a CMO for a print company mm -hmm. with, with a lead scoring methodology. I score high on a lead because yeah. I'm looking for CMOs, Yeah, right? I am the director of direct mail or I am, I'm the sales support manager yeah. at the corporate construction company. <clears throat> when you score the lead, the CMO of the local library scores higher than the sales support administrative person at the ideal company. Yep. Qualify the company, never qualify the contact. Qualify the company, never qualify the contact. And, and companies are not interested or not interested. Companies are, people are interested or not interested. Right. 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 And, and, and so whenever you do that, that, that's where you, that's where you flip. I hear we're working with a company right now. They're in their target profile. They begin at a billion dollars, right? That's, and, and here's what, here's what the sales reps are saying. We don't have enough leads. Do you know what I say? I say that's bullshit. As a matter of fact, here's what I can tell. And I told this company this the other day, I, I told their marketing person, I said, any lead that you generate, that's a net new lead of a, of an account, right? And, and actually even a person. But more of an account. Good job. Kudos. I'm glad you did it. It's important to find that. But realize you covered a mistake. Right? How so? You made a mistake. How so? Do you know much about billion dollar companies? Here's my question. How many billion dollar companies are hiding? <laughs> Not a lot. <laughs> right. I can, you know, and especially billion dollar companies in a segment of manufacturing. I don't want to talk too much about the client, but it's a segment of manufacturing. Yeah. Okay. So I'm a manufacturer doing a billion dollars. You know what I know about manufacturers? They have really big buildings. Have you ever noticed that? Especially billion dollar yes. manufacturers. Yes. They have a lot of big buildings. They do not hide themselves very well. There is absolutely positively no reason whatsoever that if you're customer centered at all, that your sales organization shouldn't be able to identify every single company that fits. They come back and say, well, there's no real good research in the industry that defines. I'm like, okay, well, your salespeople are your research. Guess what, salespeople? Find, identify the companies. Like, I mean, I, I hate using wartime and out, especially right now. I hate using it, but it's like, 
Yeah. But why do we send out reconnaissance? Yep. Right. And, and by the way, think about this. There's no, there's no trade association that can tell us what, what the, what our TAM is directly. Okay, great. So if you go actually source it, you, you got, like if you're, when I was a sales rep, my job was to know my damn territory. And yep. then I knew the companies, I knew the people, I knew who was who and what was what. And so I should be able to identify those people. Yes. Right. And then we're just like, and by, and by the way, I, and I see this all the time. I don't mean to pick on this company. They're implementing account-based marketing. Guess what? In account-based marketing, there is no lead generation. There might be lead, <laughs> there's lead penetration. Right. Right. But, you know, and, and, and the thing is, if your ideal client profile isn't clear, then you can't identify who's who, what's what, because you don't know what makes people different. It's all too broad. And so I have, you know, I need to wait to find you. And here's the thing, like a long, long time ago in a galaxy far, far away, we could wait for a salesperson to say, so tell me about your company. Yeah. What are some of the problems that you're having? Yeah. Right. A long, long time ago in a galaxy far, far away, that kind of work. Never worked as well as people thought it did, but it it didn't kill you. Today, if you start off and you say, so tell me about your company and you're yeah. talking to anybody that matters. So tell me about your problems. No, 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 no. I'm sorry. You misunderstood. And this whole thing about, you know, I want to buy on my own. Yeah. yeah. If you're going to come in and say, tell me about my company. Tell me about your problems. Yeah. I don't yeah. want to talk to you. You're negative value. <laughs> right. I just as soon go through the self-serve aisle in, in the grocery store. Right. Yep. Right. Yep. No, no. You're here to tell me about my problems. You're here You're to here teach to... me. Yep. Right? You can't do that if you don't know who your ideal client profile is. And you 100%. can't do that if your ideal client profile is everybody. And yep. you can't figure out where is the where should the friction be, where should the friction not be if you don't know who your ideal client profile is. Like, like I'm dealing with a situation in with, with, with somebody and this is a $4 billion company in the insurance space. I'm coaching somebody on this. They're in the insurance space. They bought, they got the $4 billion to, to multiple acquisitions, et cetera. I asked the salesperson who are the relevant players in the process that we've identified. And I was given three people who else that's all. That's all that I'm aware of. Okay. You know what I know? We do not people. know this customer. We do. We don't know this company. We don't know this segment because what I know is, there are more than three people that are going to be involved here. Well, well, they haven't told me anything right exactly. If I know my ideal client profile and I know, hey, okay, so insurance companies up, go here. This is the this is the orientation and the structure of that. Oh, so who's who oversees sales operations? Who manages who manages this? Who does this? Who do, you're building out the role players. I, you know, um, Jeff Tool calls it the cast of characters. I, I call it the role players, the lineup, right? You got, you got, you got to fill in your lineup card. Well, if I don't know what the lineup card is, and this is where I see managers complain about salespeople all the time. They're not picking it up fast enough. They're not learning. Well, if, if I don't know what the profile is, I don't know what I'm missing. Right. I, I, I say this all the time. One of the biggest differences between great salespeople and not great salespeople is great salespeople hear what isn't said as much as what is and see what isn't there as much as they see what is. Yep. But if I don't know what should be there, I can't, I don't know what's there or not there. And that's why ideal client profile is so important. And that's why it's different than persona and it's different than segmentation because personas and segmentations candidly are tactical exercises. Unless again, if you're B2C, that persona becomes, um, you know, that persona is basically your ideal client profile. Well, that was going to be one thing that I was going to ask. Is persona a piece of ideal client profile? Is it totally a separate thing? Oh, it's a separate thing. Okay. Separate thing. You know, again, if you're, if you're B to, if you're B to C, truly B to C, you're selling direct to the customer. Uh, and, and by the way, if you do the persona, right, you begin to have sub persona, you know, they have family. This is what the family, and it almost, you know, like, like that. Um, yep. Actually, we had a client that we just did this with. They did personas, right? It was Oh, it's so sweet to hear him talk about his personas. Um, when 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 you're when you're B two B, when when you've got an account, they they are different things. Um, and I and I believe this is increasingly true. That the problem with personas comes, we begin to get personas get in the way because it's more role based or problem based personas. You know, like one of our favorite people, and that is not being said sarcastically, 
is in charge of marketing, right? But he so fits our sales persona over our marketing persona. Yeah. It's not even funny. Yep. And by the way, that's why we won the business with him was because everyone else talked to him like he was a marketer. Yep. Right. Um, but, you know, so, so the, the personas support the ideal client profile, but I'll also say you can't do an ideal client profile. I'm sorry. You can't do a persona in a B2B if you don't have an ideal client profile, because I ask you, if you're the CMO of the library of the state libraries and, and yes, state libraries have CMOs and you're the CMO of a multinational construction company. Are you the same persona? No, no, no. It's a good point. Good point. Um, so, so where, where do you start it? Like, where do you start with to start putting together your ideal client profile? October 19th, 1967. There it is. Dark and stormy night. Dark, dark and stormy night. Every time. Born the son of a sharecropper. (laughs) Um, Oh, well, here's an, actually, I'm glad you asked that. Cause by the way, the other thing about your ideal client profile is it's not your best current customer description. So a lot of people say, start with your best customers. And I say, start mm-hmm. with your best customers. If your best customers are what you want more of, where do you start? You start with this question. Who do we want to be a hero to? Not who likes us, not who loves us. Who do we want to be a hero to? Who do we need to be a no brainer to? And, and by the way, that has to feed your economic engine, which is why in any segmentation strategy, and especially in an ideal client profile, if you ever have or more, do something that hurts yourself. Step on your toe really hard. Take, Hit yourself in the head with a baseball bat. I don't know. Do something that hurts so that you don't do that again. You have to narrow the, we work with, with companies a billion dollars or more. Okay, great. I get it. You work with companies a billion dollars or more, by the way, why a billion dollars, right? Cause you know, why a billion dollars? Probably because there's a certain size, which means there's a certain number of people. There's a certain level of complexity. That's where the real meat is. Right. But it's, you know, I mean, I had one company that said we work with, with, uh, they were an HR company. We work, you know, 10 employees or more. I'm like, okay, that's an ideal client profile. So my 10 input, so a company with 10 employees and a company with 10,000 employees, they're the same. Oh, no, no, they're not the same. And then someone said, well, more is better. And I said, really? So a company with 10,000 employees comes along. Someone said, oh my God, we'd, we'd lose all of our customers. We wouldn't be able to keep up. Oh, okay. 10,000 customers is not better. You, you, know where their, you know where their sweet spot was? 50 to 200 employees, right? That's where it ended up being. And guess what? Yeah. All of a sudden, 50 to 200 employees all the confusion, all the complexity, all the whatever, right? So, so chalk the lines, build it, you know, build the box. Who do we want to be a hero to? Test it. If you don't have the time to sit down and create seven, by the way, and if in doing this, you don't create at least seven headaches, you haven't done it well. Yep. But that's where I start. Who do we want to be a hero to start and then build from there? Cool. Here's um, a question to ask. If you could only sell to one type of customer, only one, what would they have to look like? That's where we started our ideal client profile exercise, by the way, is with that question. Cool. So my my biggest takeaways are are start with the who. Who's your who? And who's your who? Who's your who? Who do we want? And and then and then who do you want to be a hero to? Um and then I think, you know, the the point of making sure that you've got that clear articulation of who it is and also who it's not. Cause I don't think we talk about who it's not enough when we talk about this stuff is, is really important. So those are my big, those are my big takeaways. And, and so what I would say is the way to test your ideal client profile while you're working on it is, does it, te- you know, does it start, start describing things that don't fit that and, and say, yep. okay with that. Right. And again, yep. it's scary. It's going to be scary. It, 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 it's going to hurt. Um, there's one question that you asked that you didn't, um, that you didn't ask that I think you should ask. Well, in my prep, in the prep work. How often should you review or modify? I thought we hit on that. Well, we did, but we didn't hit on it in a, in a way that's clear to everybody. Okay. So how often should we, re- should you review or modify? If you your- ever have to ask yourself that question, you don't have an ideal client profile. Okay. There it is. And, and what I mean by that is, <laughs> I mean, first off, like, how often do you have to review your kids? My kids? Yeah. 
<laughs> um, never, right. every day. But all, right, there, <laughs> never, there, never, and always. Yeah. Right. I mean, you never, you never do a review. Right. It's always being reviewed. Like it, it's like if you always. have to go and say, okay, hey everybody, let's look at our ideal client profile. Because by the way, here's what in an ideal client profile isn't a piece of paper that says, here's the attributes of our ideal client profile. Yeah. Right? That's not an ideal client profile. That's an ideal client profile worksheet. If everybody in the company doesn't fully understand on an everyday basis of who is our ideal client profile, like how often do you have to think about who is your friend? Yeah. Yep. Right. And so how often are you modifying it? You're, you're always tweaking it. Now, when you make significant changes, so like when we went from hiring your first sales rep to five to 15, by the way, you know, that, you know, that was a big change. And then here, so that should not, it, it happens frequently early and then it should happen less and less and less frequently. Yep. Here's the other thing I want to say. When you change your, your who, you change your company. I read somewhere that every time you double, you break your company. The reason that that is, that's actually, a, I, I don't agree with the statement. The reason that that is often true is because as your company doubles, who your customer needs to be, who you're, who's your who, who are you a hero to, needs to change. That's yeah. what breaks your company. Um, so when we went from first sales rep to five to 15, we had to change everything. Yeah, we didn't change everything overnight. It was evolved and it, we created some messes in that trans transition and transformation. But again, that is why, you know, I, what I would say is ideal client profile is not a strategic exercise. It's a pre-strategic exercise. You can't do, it is the epitome of strategy is what I'm saying. You can't do strategy without it. Yep. That's why it comes up all the time. Yep. And uh, most importantly, Bobby Tolan was the center fielder and I have the full lineup as well. <laughs> and Holy all of the, and all of the trades. <laughs> so I'll give them to Hannah for the show notes for those of you that are interested. I got a whole Holy lot was more. Of center field. Geronimo was a better outfielder. I guess, I mean, right field was an important position. Yeah, no, I, I got a whole lot of information. I have the full lineup for those of you who are interested. And he gave me all the traits from that year as well. <laughs> and is it, so, so he has to be impressed that I at least knew the level of what I mean. I'm just, yes. At least that's what I'm going to tell myself tonight to help me. Yes. Yes, I'm sure he is. <laughs> and on that note, thanks, everybody. And that's a wrap on this episode of The Rev Op Show. Now you know the full lineup for the Reds and you have more knowledge on ideal client profiles. Isn't that great? I think that's great. If you enjoyed this episode, please make sure to go subscribe on Spotify and Apple Podcasts. Leave us a review and share the episode. If you have any questions you would like to ask Doug or Jess about creating an ideal client profile or anything RevOps related, email me at hannah at imaginellc.com or hit us up on Twitter at Demand Creator. Until next time, remember, can't solve your upstream problems downstream.